Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Burn Bridges, brought to you by the Creative Catalyst. Today we have a very, very special guest here. Um, she's someone that I feel like has accomplished so much in the very, very young years that she's been here on this planet. Um, this is a very, very special person. Nisha. Nisha, say hi to the people. <laughs> what's up hello all right nisha all right let's see we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna dive into it tell the people who you are where you're from all right so i go by nisha originally janisha that's my full name but only nisha is easier to pronounce to a lot of people i am originally from the south side of georgia a lot of people think the south side is just college park but i'm actually from riverdale Okay. And I currently reside in the east side of Atlanta. I am a mother of a young, active, uh, one, well, almost two years old, two-year-old okay. boy going on 40. Yeah. <laughs> and I just now became an entrepreneur, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, that is good. I'm very familiar with the, the south um, part of Atlanta. I've definitely lived there a couple of years, um, splotchy, back and forth, all over Atlanta. But I'm very familiar with the south side as well. Okay. Okay. So let's see. So originally, so let mm-hmm. me ask you this, because um, I definitely have a, a list of questions for you. So I think where I want to dive into. Um, so can you tell the people exactly as far as what started your passion or what passion did you latch on to? What was that genesis like? So the funny thing is, is that I have so many different passions. Um, When I first, I guess, started my whole little creative mind. So when I was young, it was always I wanted to be a poet. That was my thing. No, I'm sorry. It was to be a fashion designer first. Okay. Then it was to be a poet, Mm -hmm. which changed later on down the years to um, being a chef. I wanted to do that, and that was only because I was doing a whole bunch of home like, economic classes mm-hmm. in like middle school and high school. So that I guess drove my passion for that. Went to Le Cordon Bleu. Um, when I went there, I figured out that cooking was not for me because I'm very heat prone. So I will always fall out when the kitchen got too hot. No mm-hmm. pun intended on that. <laughs> and <laughs> and so when that happened, I didn't know really what to do. Um, I ended up getting married. Okay. And when I got married, he was in the military. So I told myself, no offense to anybody when I say this, but I told myself I do not want to be a fat military mom. I, I did not. And he worked out. So that triggered that passion for me to always stay fit. And when that came, I thought I wanted to be a personal trainer. Um, <laughs> yeah, which you, you want to dig into that a little bit later. But I wanted to be a personal trainer at one point, and that stuck for a hot little minute because I like the fact of, I guess, helping somebody along their weight loss journey and mm-hmm. still figuring out my own. And it gave me a sense of, I guess, a sense of just like like a breath of fresh air. Like I finally understood what I wanted to do in life, even though a lot of people told me, you keep changing jobs, you keep doing this, you keep, like, keep doing that, you figure out what you want to do. And the thing is, I didn't know. So mm-hmm. also, when I was in that marriage, along with, I guess trying to figure out if I want a personal train. 
I was like, eh, nah, not for me. I want to create websites. So I ended up enrolling in the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And I didn't finish on account of, I guess, you know, the funds run out and I had to quit doing that. But coming mm-hmm. back to Georgia, it all finally hit. It all finally hit at one point. I still worked out. I still did all of that good stuff. But I um, have a boyfriend, of course, mm-hmm. and he kept buying a lot of Victoria's Secret and Nike type apparel. And he was like, why not just create your own line? Mm-hmm. So here we are today. My passion today, without a shadow of a doubt, it is building confidence, and that's broad. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's is very confidence. broad, but I mean, I think that's a very <laughs> solid, a very solid um, description. If anybody asks you, so what do you do? I build confidence. You know that right there. You don't hear that every day. I can tell you that much. Right. And especially in these times, lately, you know, confidence is everything. Not arrogance, but confidence. And I think that a lot of people do need that. Um, there was a few things that you said that, that really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first thing, though, I will commend you that, you know, that is good that you found something that you did latch on to it and you did stick with it a little bit of time. And I know exactly how it is to, you know, hop around, you know, get around. You know, sometimes you're interested in this and you have this and you find this and you have this and, you know, you become a, right. a you know, a Jill a of all pinball. trades. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you do the whole pinball thing. I think a lot of us that do yeah. a lot of things, you know, you're bouncing around. So you, you end up becoming, you know, a Jill of all trades. And I think that, you know, it's not so much that you just don't know what you want to do is that you want to do so many things that you are resistant on just being complacent. You know, that is correct. You know, you don't just want to sit still. You don't just want to accept just mediocre, regular, just going with the motions. You know, I don't, at least our generation, I believe that we don't just want to go with the motions. You know, we actually want something that is going to be satisfying, but then there's, it's scalable. You know, you can grow from it. You can add on to it. Right. The longevity. Yeah. The longevity. And that's just what it's about. And it's not that, you know, we don't want consistency. It's not we don't want security. We just want something that we can grow on. We don't want to just keep in the same one spot and then be in the same one spot 20, 30, 40 years down the line. You know, I think that. Right. I think that model worked for the generations, you know, yesterday ago i think that that worked for them but as you can see a lot of them are very not happy you know and i think they take it out on us because of the fact that we do have much more of a a thought involved choice process that we actually want to enjoy what we want to do before we get into it let me right and it's always oh you young whippersnapper this no oh yeah oh yeah i i still get that you know, it, it doesn't matter. I, I still get that. I still get the the entitlement. I still get the the oh you're spoiled or, or this and that and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we have a, a different skewed outlook on you know what you're supposed to do for the next generation. It was my understanding growing up that the next generation is supposed to do better than the last. Right. 
that was my understanding. Now, if I was wrong on thinking that and feeling that, you know, all that's all my bad. But it was my understanding that, okay, the next generation is supposed to do better than the last generation. That generation is supposed to have things that the last generation didn't have. But it's almost as though as the last generation wants us to have the things that they've had, but then also wants to stifle us like the things that they've been stifled on. If they didn't have it, you ain't going to get it. If they got it, you going to get think, it. I mean, true, but I also think it's more so of they just don't want to conform. You know what I'm saying? Like conformity is just something that a lot of people are scared of because mm-hmm. it, it's changed. When, and I always tell people, like, in order to grow, you know what I'm saying, you have to change the pot that you're in. You're not going to always be in that same spot forever. And it's just when you when you just put yourself in just one spot and you don't move out that one spot, it's kind of like that book, what it's called, uh, Who Moved My Cheese, if you ever read it. And heard of it. if you always think that you are entitled to something, mm-hmm. you know, like that's how old folks, I look at them as, they're always entitled to thinking that because I'm old, because I've been through way more than what y'all been through, then you have to, you know, automatically respect me. No, that's not what it is. And this day and age, you have to go out, and go get it. Not saying they didn't have to do it back then, but now it's it's completely different. Like you have to sell yourself within sixty seconds or less. Yeah, the attention span today and the needs and the supply and demand has changed. And I think what it is, mm-hmm. it's almost as like, you know, they have a time warp where they're so stuck on what they had to do back then that they totally ignore what you have to do today, the right now. Um, the fact that technology is advanced today than it never was back then. The things you have to do today, you didn't have to do back then. You know, right. the, the art of conversation is lost. The way you have to converse with someone today is not the same as how you could converse with someone yesterday. You know, texting somebody today is normal. It wasn't, it, that's like, I think back in the day, what they had a pager, walkie talkie. <laughs> The brick phone. The brick phone. I mean, that's like, can you imagine back then somebody having to stay connected to their brick phone to talk to somebody who was in the same city, same zip code? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've even come from in the household where I would text my siblings in the same house. We're in the same house, the next room from each other. But instead of getting up and going to the next room and telling them something. I would text them. So I wouldn't necessarily call it laziness, but it's the advancement of, of how certain things that we overlook very easily. I think that it is convenience. I think it is convenience. And as long as that convenience is not lost in um, and depreciated, I think that it's it's progress. I think it is progress as long as you don't forget where it started. So I want to zero in along with that notion of when you got into fitness, okay, mm-hmm. when you got into fitness, um, how was that mindset different in contrast to cooking? Well... I only cooked because it was something that I thought was fun. Okay. It was never any kind of like passion 
behind it. Yes, I liked it. Yes, it was like cool, you know, learning different ingredients, but it was never uh-huh. something I was like, oh, this makes me happy. Uh-uh, the kitchen was never my happy place. I'm sorry, unless I was getting something to eat. But okay. with fitness, it just opened up a whole different insight. Like I said, like it's, it's all about confidence, right? So mm-hmm. when I don't see anybody getting confidence from baking a cake, no offense to anybody that do this, but baking a cake or, you know, I finally learned how to make a ribeye. Like you don't get that confidence. But when you look at somebody or when somebody's looking at themselves in the mirror, they are the biggest like judge on themselves as like the biggest what is it, critics yeah the biggest critics on themselves so when I finally tapped into that world and mm-hmm. just started seeing the changes that my body was making of course you know working out it releases all those endorphins anyway to make you happy and you just start saying you know the slimmer waist or the bigger butt like every girl wants pretty much mm-hmm. and you start getting noticed more by people, not just guys, women too. And mm-hmm. you just be like, you know what? Maybe I, I am somebody. Maybe I do look good because everybody don't wake up in the morning feeling like a million bucks. And whoever said they do, more than likely they got a million dollars, but they still feel like shit at the end of the day, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it was just more so an awakening for me to finally see myself the way other people who were interested in me saw me because I never thought that I was like you know uh, what they say she bad or whatever like that I never thought that Mm -hmm. at all I thought I was cute but I didn't think I was like to that caliber until I really started really working out and perfecting how like my outside appearance looked which later helped my mental so was it safe to say that aside from the health aspect of it it was something that you mm-hmm. you saw it being very useful that the process of what it took that you started to see a gradual growth in your self-confidence but then also you saw the mirror reflection of well if you feel good then I want somebody else to feel the same way so I want to help people feel how good I feel exactly everybody has those endorphins they just don't know how to release them sometimes so let me go ahead and help you well you know what they say in retrospect (laughs) you know hurt people hurt people but it's also Mm -hmm. just as contagious that if i feel good i want you to feel good now let me ask you something you ever yeah you ever like you see a complete stranger and it might be somebody you've ever wanted to talk to you ever get that automatic feeling that if you smile at that person they're going to automatically smile right back and not even know why they're smiling at you 100 percent, i've done it <laughs> you know you know oh, human yeah. human nature is a weird thing um i think even in in a way animals do the same thing it's like we mirror the things that are directly in front of us and even in pictures if somebody sees somebody that is smiling and they look happy in that photo we're going to be like, oh, that person is happy. I want to feel like that person in that video or that person in that photo because they look mm-hmm. happy. So, you know, if I'm having a bad day, but immediately if I talk to you, and it can also happen in a voice, I talk to you, you're in a very uplifting, cheery um, attitude. 
I almost forget about what it is that I'm going through because your energy brought me up and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I think that that's a, that's a very commendable um, thing to be in. I think that, you know, and I, I have little to no knowledge about fitness, but I can say that from what I've observed about people in the fitness industry, you know, you play a very, very strong role in, you know, carving away the things that people have built up. You carve away the callus that everybody, they tell themselves, I'm not attractive. I'm ugly. I'm not this. You'll never get this kind of person. Oh, this person's out of your league. Oh, you'll never be this. And over time, you know, I feel people build that callus up and it gets so deep rooted that they form a belief that they actually think they're ugly. They actually think They'll never be, you know, the video vixen or they'll never, they'll never look like the Greek God, you know? Right. And it's just crazy how superficial the world has become to the point to where it's very, I feel like it's very important that we need people like that to give that reprogramming of assurance to people. So then that way people can look at what they do have. But then also reflect the actual potential of what they could get. That too. Let everybody know that you are enough. And I would say, honestly, it's always been this way. It's just in a different format. Like I said, Mm -hmm. all about change. You know, before all what they had back in the day, they just had what magazines and Mm -hmm. books before like internet type stuff. And billboards like i don't know what they have on born until the 90s okay but <laughs> like I, I can just say they had it in the form it's just it's not as in your face as maybe it's right now right right okay so we skip past cooking which is okay we've all tried some things for a minute <laughs> and we've all realized you know what this is not my thing and that's okay and um, I know I, I want to dive into the fitness world because that one is very interesting to me. Um, I want to share a little piece of myself in reference to when you said you started something and then decided, hey, this is not for me. Let me move on to something else. Um, I've gotten into so many, so many things myself. Um, a lot of people today. I know they'll say that I'm still into a whole lot of things, but to believe it or not, I actually had a lot more. It was at one point I got into music production. And that's actually the thing that spawned as to what gave me my name in the first place. Weirdly enough, I wanted to be a DJ. Say what? I wanted to be a (laughs) DJ. It was it was it was something. And even though I was homeschooled, I was involved in a community where it was other homeschoolers that we all, you know, hung out a lot at community centers. And it was like actual school. Well, the thing that kind of gave me a little bit of a self-esteem shock was I thought I found what I wanted to do. You know, this is high school, you know, early high school. thought I found what I wanted to do. I was passionate about it. I was reading up on it. I started telling people, hey, you know, I want to be a DJ. I'm going to be a DJ. You know what happened? Change your mind? Nah, not not even not even just that. I got laughed at. 
Like, oh wow, I got I got laughed at, and I'm not gonna lie, I curled up into, you know, a, a very abstract shell. It was it was weird because it was kind of like, yo, these are people that I hung around that I thought that they respected my opinions, you know, my feelings or anything like that, and girls that I had crushes on. I'm seeing them laugh at me. You know, you know, picture that you see people that you got crushes on laugh at you, you know, homies that you think are down for you laughing at you. Everybody's laughing at you because they think it's stupid. They think that you're just, you know, some goofy, nerdy kid who reads too much and you don't hang out with the rest of us. So you're just a weirdo. So that I think that was probably one of the things that kind of shut me off from telling people things before I do it I think that was like the start of course DJ was not the thing I wanted to go into music production you know I thought I wanted to be the next Timbaland at one point I was writing I was writing songs writing beats and I had a little bit of a blow I was really really trying to go somewhere with it I'm not gonna lie I was really trying to go somewhere with it but then as I was trying to go somewhere with it, I know you remember the the, the era of MySpace. Yeah, that's well, which is now Music Space. Uh huh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I totally forgot what it's called today, but um, for any of you know of my listeners, just for reference and context, MySpace was the original Facebook. Okay, MySpace was that one site that you can create a custom template you know you can have your own world your own situation and it was it was it was ratchet i'm not even gonna sugarcoat it It was ratchet it was extra it was messy it was crazy (laughs) (laughs) at least for my world because back then i used to create like the templates like the the themes for people and that's actually how i got into doing design work professionally it's crazy enough. That's that's what started it. I wish it was a much more humble beginning, but that's what it was. I'm not ashamed of it. So, music was a uh, music was was something that I thought I thought it was a passion, but then it kind of turned into that one thing that was like, you know what? You start here, and this is what's going to catapult you to what you really need to do. You know, and I think. To tie it in, I think that was the same thing with cooking. I think it was because of cooking, it kind of sort of pivoted you and at least kind of, I think it tilled the soil in your mind for something that you really need to plant. So the -hmm. cooking wasn't the thing that you needed to focus on. It was just to prepare you for what you really wanted to get into. So... Um, I, I put music to the side, and that's when my true passion of design and art really took off. And ever since then, I have not looked back. So with that, we are going to crack this walnut open. And I really want to get into the world of fitness, the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. the things that people don't tell you, behind the flex, behind the put on behind everything that you see on Instagram 
what is that industry like? Before we get into story time, what is that industry like when you're amongst other people doing what you do? Well, first and foremost, let's clarify it for everybody. Y'all, I am not a personal trainer. I told y'all, let that dream go. (laughs) I sell fitness, athleisure, apparel that uses colorism to help y'all build confidence, okay? So um, I can speak on that aspect as far as the apparel side because I never really had the chance. Mm -hmm. Nope, I lied. I did for like two seconds. But um, I guess the behind the scenes of the personal trainer part, the fitness world. Um, everybody thinks that their personal trainer knows 100% of what they're doing 100% of the time. I can tell y'all now that is a lie. Mm-hmm. Unless they are somebody who has legit been big themselves, right. who has literally um, had almost every kind of client, um, who has fallen and gotten back up, they are lying. You do not have one personal trainer out here who knows the ins and outs of everything because there's mm-hmm. so much to know, and you always run into obstacles. So I need people to stop thinking that because, mm-hmm. I don't know, Joe Schmo got abs, and, you know, you see the people on Instagram behind him getting abs or that one big person that they have is now miraculously, you know, like slim, thick, and months don't believe the hype all the time mm-hmm. instagram facebook any kind of like social media platform there are different ways to cut edit and do stuff it really is there mm-hmm. are so many different apps you can use to you know like photoshop a lot of things there's so many different kind of products out here that you can have people do like if people didn't notice if you ever watched the biggest loser um it was rumored that they would legit starve their contestants to make them lose that weight not saying that you can't lose that amount of weight in that much time is possible, but it's all about persistence and mm-hmm. consistency with doing so. Um, but for the sake of TV. Well. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Also, look into the, the people, you know, mm-hmm. who they are training. Look at them. Like, you got to mm. ask them. Don't ask the trainer, ask the client. That's all I got to say about that. Right. Anyway, so um, in my quote-unquote expertise as far as the apparel side of it, this is a field, I can honestly say, it's fun, it's challenging, and it keeps a fire uh, burning under you because not saying you have to be like mm-hmm. every single other apparel company. Like, I told you, I aspire to be like Nike. I really, really do. Like, that big, caliber-wise. Okay. But you have to figure out what makes you different from every other person. We all have mm. the same why are you buying from me versus from that person? That's what people look at. Right. And once again, it's, it's all about presentation. People buy with their eyes. Exactly. They do. They they look at it. It's all about, you know, the following. So one of the challenges behind it is if you're starting out and you're doing anything on Instagram, if mm-hmm. the next person doing the same thing you're doing, but they got like 150-some thousand followers, Please understand that people mostly buy from that person because of the following that they have. They don't care about the quality. Right. It's all about the following. Right. And it's funny because I just talked to somebody today about that. Um, people buy personality, uh-huh. and then they go for quality. You know? So, 
yeah. only way I can really tell people is just just be yourself, be authentic. Know who you buying from. That's what I always tell my customers. Know who you buying from, and then that like it helps you open up as an owner. Yeah, I do try to instill that as much as possible with people. I think that you know, with anything, you know, uh-huh. um, especially you know, going back to food. You know, people tend to eat with their eyes first, and that applies to everything, photo, video, anything. If it looks good, our brain is telling us that it is good. So we're going to take it apart in our mind visually first before we physically go and taste it and smell it. And that's why, you know, I could say as a designer, one of my favorite, favorite industries is designing for food because you have the visual aspect. You have the smell dynamic. You have the complete packaging, even down to the taste. You know, and there's levels, there's steps. They have to look at it. If they look at it, oh, and then they smell it. Oh, and then it smells great. Then they taste it. Then it's that final satisfaction that, you know, they've experienced the whole entire plate. And not just, hey, I'm hungry. I'm just going to put something in my mouth just to do it. <laughs> you know, Right. That it's all about the experience. Right. It's the it's the entire experience. And I think that that goes into play as well as with the movie theater. Everybody knows you can watch a movie on a widescreen TV, but it's the experience of going in that theater, smelling the popcorn smells great. OK, walking through a dark tunnel to walk up to your chair to sit down, to be immersed by a huge screen. You know, it's that experience that will never get old. It'll never get old. And I think that, you know, with fitness, from what I've seen, it's the matter of you go through those different channels of, you know, first you're shamed. Then you realize, oh, this really is hard. You go through, go through, go through. You go through that little point of wanting to give up, wanting to stop because this hurts. Or you feel humiliated because you think you're, you know, you're doing something that a lot of people would not do. So then as you start to kind of get over that, you know, tumultuous heel, you start to realize, okay, I got this. And then the ball starts rolling and it picks up momentum and picks up momentum. And next, you know, you can't get them out of the gym. Next, you know, you, you know, every time you call them, they're always in the gym or they just left the gym or they're on the way to the gym. So I know you said that you touched on training just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever trained like family, friends, colleagues, anybody like that? Have you really dabbled in that lane? I have. And that is a huge no, no. Uh, yeah, that is something I, I would legit tell somebody a hundred percent. Do not train your family and friends. And I know you're probably going to ask me why. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get the fork and knife. Let's so, get it. Um, <laughs> I say don't train your friends but or your family because people who are in that caliber or in that corner don't appreciate your time. Okay. All right. So, and I say that because if you're starting out with anything that you do, any kind of business, the first people that your mind automatically tells you is, well, your family and friends are supposed to support you 100%. They always got your back. They've been there, you know, they've been there 
for you from day one, this right. ain't going to be different. That is wrong. Business and pleasure do not mix. Prime right. example, when I first came back to Atlanta, when I was going through my divorce, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take personal training. I'm going to try to make some extra money on the side because, of course, I didn't have a job. I just came back. And I was like, hey, I told my friend, let's just name them thing one and thing two. So uh, okay. I called thing one, and I was like, hey, do you know, do you mind if I, you know, train you because, number one, you know, you keep saying that you want to go ahead and work out. Number two, I want to show people that I actually can do this. No certification, y'all. I don't have it. Never got it. Don't want it. And um, <laughs> so, so she was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I got all of my trainings and teachings from my trainer that I had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had results within two weeks. Homegirl dropped 10 pounds and oh. stuff. And thing one was doing real good. So thing one then said, well, can you know, I have my sister thing too. Okay. And I was like, yeah, the more the merrier. So number one, the first mess up, there wasn't any money involved, right? So I was expecting it just to be a total learning experience just for myself and then to show people I can actually do it. Right. Y'all, charge for your time, okay? I get that a lot of people's mindset is, oh, I don't know really what I'm doing yet, da-da-da-da. So time is money, money is time. Go ahead and get it, especially for me because I didn't have any money, right? Mm. So which was dumb on my behalf. So it got to the point where we were doing good, like really good. People were starting to take notice on Facebook. And it got down to one day school was getting ready to start. Mm-hmm. And it was always an issue with time management because I would always say, hey, listen, it's an hour, but it is, they'll come late. Or it's like, oh, such and such, you know, my child had this, my child had that. And I would always tell myself in my head, well, if y'all were paying me, y'all wouldn't be doing this. People there would be a different kind of accountability is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. So when, when you pay for something, you take more pride in it. Why? Because you spent your hard earned money on it. Right. And instead of looking at it as a friendship base of, you know what, this is my friend, I'm supporting my girl, let me help her out. No, not at all. Mm. So they're getting their results and stuff. I'm giving them, you know, the meal plan. Um, just giving it all for free, pretty much, just for for my sake of, of learning. And this was all like, at the kindness of my heart. It really wasn't any kind of mm-hmm. ill intent right. on the backing up for myself. Right. It really was not. So it got to one day, it was a like, school starting back, and I was like, hey, y'all, are we meeting at the gym today? Because I took off work so that I can schedule around y'all. And thing one was like, well, nobody told you to do that because I told you, you know, that my kids got to go to school. And I'm like, but you knew this was a day that we normally work out. What? And she was like, well, that's not mm. a problem, right? So we got into this huge argument where I told her, you know what? Good luck staying slim because all you're going to do is go ahead and get fat anyway. Oh, that's, no. That's like legit what I told her. Yeah, oh, and no. um, her sister, mm. right. <laughs> so thing two um, was like, hey, you know, since you and my sister got into it, I don't think I can work with you anymore. So that taught oh. me two things. One, do not train your friends. Two, 
if you want any kind of monetary value for those on the monetary means, any kind of like physical donations, it can be money, it can be whatever. Don't go in there with that mindset if you already been set that boundary. Three, your attitude, as they always say, determines your altitude. So mm-hmm. I had to tell myself, personal training is not for me because I don't have the patience for right. that. And I don't know if that would have changed if I was getting paid for. I don't know. I never will know. Right. But I just know, don't train your friends. We're cool now. We laugh about it, but it's just like, I can't do that. So I'd rather train somebody on the street who don't know me, who's willing to give me $5 or like willing to pay me in different kind of ways. But no, nope, never again. Mm-mm. And that was actually something I was going to ask you. Cause I know, um, I know most, most situations like that, they burn up, they fizzle out and it's almost unrecoverable. You know, um, people just, go their separate ways and they almost never come back to the middle. Um, But you did mention something about that. You, you all were able to find the middle, but you always will remember that that person is, is still kind of built like that. Like, you know, they may not have let it go. They probably are still kind of like that, like that inconsiderate kind of thing, a little bit around the edges. You know, you still appreciate them as a friend, but you still have not forgotten that. Mm, you still kind of trifling mm, a little bit. <laughs> L- little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, well, I could definitely tell you that. Um, and I'm, you know, just throughout this entire series, um, my goal is is to, you know, share little bits of pieces. Because I've experienced a whole heck of a lot in a very compressed amount of time. And it's funny because that particular relationship balance imbalance reigns true where it's almost as though as if you do things for friends they automatically without question expect it to be free they expect it to be discounted they expect it to just be for the low for the hookup you know on principle kind of thing and there's no actual respect that goes into the fact that they don't respect that okay you're obviously good at something your time is set aside to cater to them. You're going out of your way to show them something. And then, like you just said, the girl had real results. Oopsie. You know, she had actual results. That could have been money because that could have been monetized. That could have been something that you could have, like, exploited. I know that's probably not the best word. But you could really use that, in other words. And I know everybody's going to be different. Not everybody would lose 10 pounds in under two weeks. You know, I know that seems impossible. But the fact that you actually had a girl have real results, that's the first thing. Okay? That's the first thing that I point out. So, with that particular dynamic, let me ask you this. What was the first... You know how they how they say... You know, with red mm-hmm. flags, there's like three red flags, major red flags. Yeah. What was the first red flag that you would say that you saw? The lateness, the tardiness, the excuses. So the lateness, that was the first red yeah. flag. So mm-hmm. 
would you say that that would be the first time that you saw the the communication kind of starting to get wonky? No. Okay. Because we would pre-plan things ahead of time for the week. Okay. And it was just like the time, it was always an issue every single time. So there was a convenient time that something would come up, even though it was pre-planned out. Yes. And of course, when you have kids, I didn't have my son at the time, but Mm -hmm. of course, when you have kids, it's like, oh, my child, this, my child, that had to help the school, this school, that. And I'm always like, well, why not just pick a time that will be suitable so that we won't run into these issues? Isn't it kind of interesting that that happens a lot? And I'm going to speak on this from actual example. And I know a lot of people might and will (laughs) get offended on this. Right. So, yeah. I'm originally from California, but I've spent a lot of years, almost half my life in Atlanta. So now I can say I'm both from California and Atlanta. Isn't it kind of ironic yet funny that when you had prior discussions, plans ahead of time, that it always seems to be something that comes up right when you had plans i mean it's always the weirdest things it's never like oh dang i bumped my elbow my arm is a little sore today so we're gonna have to take it easy no it's nothing small like that it's always usually some kind of wild crazy situation that happens to come up when you have time schedule but throughout everything else nothing else happens you know you don't hear no delays no nothing comes through but it's always when it's scheduled time, it's either that person doesn't know how to work a way around it. They don't know how to communicate. Hey, something came up. I'm going to be a little late. I'm on the way. They either just don't show up or they don't they don't say nothing until you point it out. Isn't it funny that that seems to happen a lot in Atlanta? Well, I can't say I haven't lived anywhere else that I have, but it's about the same everywhere you go. It's just the, the Oh, so that's just my bias. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just people. Like, I think we as people, we do some things to get out of some things. Like, everybody has used an excuse. That's even for work, too. You know? For, yeah. You can't tell me you've never given a... Uh, BS excuse for work, knowing that you woke up late, but yet you saying something like, oh, you know, my power went out, or like, you know, my mom's tripping, or some people go as far as, hey, my grandma died. Like, you know, but it's it's a human nature thing, man. We just lie to get out of stuff and just hope the next person don't catch us in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah, that is true. I mean, that's a little heinous to, to blame it on a family death. I will say that much. And I'm going to be very careful for what I admit here today. But I have been guilty of a couple janky um, lies to get out of doing work, get out of doing something. I will admit that. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, but I did realize that, hey, you know, this is this is going to catch up with me later on. Let me not 
let me not do this. Let me try to get out of this because you already know what it is. When you make one lie, you got to have another lie to cover that one and another lie to cover that one. And it just makes you look all kinds of bad. So big snowball effect. Oh, yeah. And then once it starts rolling, it's almost impossible to slow it down without an explosion. So, yeah. So when it came down to, you know, thing one, since we're using that thing one, you fell out. Mm-hmm. with them and i take it this is either via text message this is phone call in person what was this oh this was text message and i still got it to this day it's crazy okay so yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how that happened with thing one but then thing two i guess obviously is going to be like you know okay well hey i heard about what you and so-and-so said on principle i'm gonna just not work with you because it just wouldn't feel right that you and so-and-so not working out. So I'm going to just not work out with you because you fell out with so-and-so. Yes. I understand it. I've been in a lot of situations where that has not happened, where somebody would still want to work with me, even though me and -and so-and-so just fell out. But Maybe, you know, just that person had their own individual goals that had nothing to do with the other person. I don't know. I think that's a very uh, case by case situation. I don't think everybody does that. Um, I don't know if that was something that I would be mad at. Were you mad at the time that the second person bailed? No, because I understood. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of them things, you know, when you take up for your family, you don't one be put in that predicament where you're in the middle of meaning scene two I guess um perspective you don't want to put in that perspective of like okay you know what I'm getting results with this girl but because her and my sister fell out it wouldn't be right to continue when her and my sister are beefing so I get that she don't want to be caught in the middle and it's easier to just not deal with it than to deal with it even though later on down the line they all came back to me and asked for a trainer again Right. Uh, oh, yeah. they so came back. In that one. Yeah, it was money involved. And I said, all right, yeah. Oh. yeah pay up. Okay, so so let me ask you this. Yeah. Okay, because that definitely does change change the tide a lot. So let me ask you. So, let me, mm-hmm. so how much time in between the, the breakup from the time that they said, hey, we want to pay you this time? How much time in between that was that? That was recently, actually. So we talking mm. about maybe like three years. So there was like a three-year gap? Yes. We were still like, oh, cool. But it was more so of like them asking here and there. Like, hey, you still work out? Are you still this? I'm like, yeah. And it's more so of trying to come to the gym with you. And I'm like, sure. Because at that time... I was trying to find my own personal trainers then, mm-hmm. so I wasn't really doing it. But lately, I wanted to try a new business venture with what I'm doing right now to make it a whole movement and not just an apparel line to, you know, come to people's house, you know, with the whole pandemic thing and then just right. provide workout services. So this one was a little bit different because thing one wasn't involved because she just didn't want to do it. That's just her. She just gets lazy. I love her, but she gets lazy. Right. And so thing, thing two, and then thing three, and thing four was like, can you train us? And they were doing really, really good. 
know, I got some praises off of that, and I got some value out of it. Some of it was, you know, buying from um, my apparel line, and then the other was actual, like, cash and stuff. So it was it was nice. And then we all just agreed just to stop because they didn't have any time. But they stuck mm-hmm. to it this time. Okay, but you can at least say that, you know, it, you know, even while still being cool with each other, that it slowly, slowly built into, all right, we 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 respect her now because she seems to be serious about something, so let's just go ahead and, you know, respect her on the note of let's let's pay the woman, okay? Because she she's obviously consist she's showing us consistency somewhere, so let's go ahead and at least try to show her that amount of, that amount of respect. You know, it's interesting how people do that. They let a little bit of time after a breakup go in. They start to like you know stick the little pinky toe in to test the water. Just to kind of see, like, okay, okay, oh, she's, okay, so she's not that mad at me. Okay, let me, let me put a, let me put the big toe in there. Okay, let me try the whole foot. Okay, all right, shoot, put the whole leg in it. Okay, is she cool? Are right, we diving in? And this time we're gonna go ahead and actually do something what we were supposed to have done from the get. But when friendship gets in the way, it really does get in the way. Oh, yeah. You know, what was the it, going back to the breakup? What was the third red flag or second to third red flag that you saw that really just had you like just about done before they decided to say, hey, you know what? I'm done. Who was done first? It was me for sure. And it honestly was just, uh, I guess you want you can call it excuses. Mm-hmm. That was a, another one because, like I told you, it all ties in together. Like once you are late and then you have an excuse, like, why are you late? And I'm sitting here like, okay, come on now. And of course, I would always joke around and be like, come on, y'all, like for real, y'all know we'll be doing this for an hour, like. But it's that was pretty much the last straw for me after I heard that and I was like well you knew this and it came to well I shouldn't have to tell you that I told you long time before I don't have time when you start talking to me like I told you this or you should have known that's when I got an issue with you because you're not going to come to me and although we're friends speak to me as we're friends at this point now Mm -hmm. it's a business you want to talk to your boss that way if you were getting paid so I felt like well, actually, I did tell him this. I said, if y'all paid me, y'all would actually respect me a little bit more than what you already do. But since y'all don't, I'm letting it slide. And it was just, mm. it was chaotic, man. It was a nasty text message. I told you, I said, good luck with saying swim because you will get fat again. I'm not going to help you. I understand. I yeah, I understand the, the emotional. And there's been a couple of times where I will admit that I have lost my cool. I have not always been this chill. But I have lost my cool with some people that I've just allowed them to really dig in deep because I felt like they were what they were doing was so disrespectful and just mm-hmm. really, you know, just strongly disregarded the fact that I'm going out of my way for you. You know, like they forget that aspect. Um, Was there a, a moment of reflection that you look back and to think that? Maybe I should not have said it like that, or I'm glad that I said it. It's out of my system now. 
I just need to find a way to not allow somebody to take me to that level. Which one was it? A mixture of all of it, to be honest, because I felt bad when I said it, because, of course, you never want to hurt your friend's feelings, especially somebody who's been in your life for almost, what, at that time, I think, 10 years? Mm. Almost, yeah. Four years ago, I'm 39. Yeah, about 10 years at that time. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to hurt their feelings, but at the same time, people need to know that you're stern on what you're saying. Maybe I could have changed my words, but with some people, you have to talk a certain way for them to understand it. Right. And I had to learn that you don't, you should not sugarcoat a lot of stuff. You can be respectful in what you say, but don't sugarcoat. Because I always say, if you keep sugarcoating, they're going to catch diabetes and die anyway, because always somebody's feeding them the crap so mm-hmm. it was it was bad mm. um but I'm, I'm happy that it all finally came out because it's kind of like all right look this girl know her stuff we obviously like her she's been a part of the family let's just get over it and move on and we just know that at this particular point in our life when it comes to fitness and personal training she ain't it unless we like for real and do you believe that, um, even with the first the first girl, do you believe that if she had started to pay you on the front end at the very beginning before y'all even done anything, if you think that she came in on that relationship as a paying customer, do you believe that most of that um, that dynamic would have been avoided? Possibly. I'm the kind of person that if I know you, you know, whether you're a close associate, I don't really call everybody friend like that, mm-hmm. but if you're a close associate, a friend or family member, I'm one of them people that will give you, let's say, like two weeks or 30 days for free because I want to build that trust. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get duped off of personal trainers these days because you got to pay them. Of course, you respect them for what they do, but like I say, most of them really don't have a damn clue what they're doing. Um, right. it's just, it, it looks nice and they body look nice. They're going to tell you what they're doing to get to where they are. But everybody's body is not the same. That came out correct. I think so. But anyway, yeah. If, but yeah, I, I try to be respectful and just give them, you know, that, that trial period. And if we vibe, we vibe. And if we don't, we don't. And it's mainly for myself mm. to see if I can continue to work with that person or not. But, and then I start charging, but it's always, a building a relationship first you gotta build relationships with people as somebody always told me it's not always transactional that it took me i would say it took me quite a bit of years to fully understand that i think that majority of my partnerships affiliations collaborations were majority of them were transactional and i think that's why some of my favorite ones crashed and burned because they were transactional and i can Mm -hmm. tell you it was almost always about it was always made up of what i'm putting into the pot and that person felt like they were the pot and they felt like they didn't have to contribute and when it was time to walk away i'm always usually the one walking away with very little to nothing and i'm just left with portfolio and I'd hate to begrudge my own portfolio, but 
you know, you look at something as a as a reminder. Oh yeah, I remember the person behind that. Dang, that was a good idea. Oh, we had a very good mm-hmm. swing at this. But then you start to go sour and you're like, oh yeah, so and so ruined it. Oh yeah. I don't want to look at that no more because that reminds me of a point in my life that I almost caught a charge or I almost had to jump somebody because of how that person made me feel. And it it took enough for me that I had to realize, all right, you know what? If this is a friend or if it's a complete stranger, you cannot allow a person to take you that far out of your element that you start to not recognize yourself. You start to become something that you were not raised to be. And you lose sight of why you're doing what it is that you're doing. You know, you went into the fitness world to help people feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. And because of whoever and whatever it is that they were going through, they decided to make you feel how they were feeling and take you out of your element. And I'm sure they started bringing up a bunch of irrelevant stuff. They started bringing up some things that had (laughs) nothing to do with the matter at hand. And they start to take some body blows and start to hit you where it hurts because they know you personally. So they start to bring up some things just to get you to shut up. And you find yourself pulling out weapons you never thought you had. And then next thing you say something, you know, you might look up and that might be the very last thing you could say. And you can never take that back. You might look up and it might what you said could land you in a heap of trouble. And I've always kind of kept this on the forefront of my mind, even You know, as I do get pissed off, I'm trying my best not to allow a person to take me over that threshold because I know I know I'm going to say something grimy. I know I'm going to say something low handed and I know I'm I'm going to hit I'm going to gut punch you. I'm going to hit it where it hurts because I want you to shut up because you already came at me wrong. I want to hit you one good time so I ain't got to keep hitting you, you know. Um, I've never really been opposed to. To working with friends and things like that um, on the the ethical side of it. But if you ask me as far as business and as far as, you know, for growth, I don't recommend it because there's too much bias, especially if that person doesn't have their own self drive. If they're not pulling themselves. Get out. Because if you are tugging on them and motivating them and pushing them you're going to be the one that's putting into the pot your cup is going to drain with a quickness and when it's time to fill up your cup they are gone in the wind they are ghosts never to be recovered they're going to move on to the next person and you're going to be left with a scab right asking them so what about me and it's like oh well thank you but ain't no thank you but so you gotta be Choose wisely, man. That's all I got to say. Man, you never really know the people you're working with until you're put in certain situations and or circumstances. Mm -hmm. Like, you think your most loyal person is loyal until there's money involved, until there's business involved. And if you want to keep those relationships, I strongly suggest 
that y'all don't ever work together. Like it's it's hard to find friends and genuine people mm-hmm. as is or put some money in front of somebody. Huh? Changes everything. Yeah. I've worked directly with with blood relatives. I've had them right there working alongside of me. You know, we're collecting a check together. We're meeting new people. We're eating new foods that we couldn't normally eat because the money was coming in. You know, life was good. It was sweet. It was, you know, they had a chance to really embrace a, a, a world that they normally could not have. Because, again, you know, it's outside of their element. This is my usual. This is what I do. And again, when money got on the table, it changed dynamics. It changed dynamics and it really started to complicate some things. And it got to the point where I had to physically get sick to really be sick of the situation. You know, I mean, I know you can't really measure loyalty, but I think if you get to the point where you're starting to lose weight, you're starting to look sickly. You're not getting any rest. You're not eating the way you should be eating. And you're always with a cold. I think that should be the moment where you should be tired and done with a situation that's toxic. And I know sometimes people want to hold on because they think like, no, you know, hold on. Give it some time. I think they're going to make it make a breakthrough. Let me just wait it out for them. You know, I want to wait on somebody who. I wish someone could have waited on me. I'm going to do that. I'm going to wait on them. You know, Mm -hmm. you know how we get into that moment where we feel like, you know what? I'm going to wait on that person because nobody waited on me. And I don't want to repeat that cycle. But I think the truth of the matter is it goes back into don't do that kind of stuff for somebody who wouldn't do it for themselves. You know, yeah, that's a good takeaway from it, too. I think that you're not trying. I can only help you so much. I think that if she was, if she saw the bigger picture and respected the situation, I know sometimes it could seem like a lot, but it's like, okay, a simple, hey, something came up, got to do something different. Can we push this back? Can we, can we have a little breathe room? And I'm speaking on this from experience because I know that I have been guilty of not doing this, but I see a lot of value in it now that. It's like when you're on somebody else's time, especially when they make time for you. When they set time away where they could have been making money, but instead they're helping you accomplish something that you were trying or allegedly trying to do. But instead, no, you were probably too caught up on watching too many Instagram videos and you saw a girl who had a frame and you thought that you could get that same frame. So all you're doing is copying and pasting what she looks like. And then when you realize this is actually real work, you begin to be tired and you realize, you know what, I'm not I don't really want this. So then you fall off and you realize this is not me. And then you take it out on the person who's helping you. And then you destroy a relationship that could have been a very long relationship outside of friendship. You know, to me, it's reckless. <laughs> You know, so out of the storm cloud and, you know, going through that, you know, you've already said that you guys already made amends and things like that. Can I can I ask you today, what is your mindset on um, working with friends 
um, working with family on the on that basis? What is your mindset now? I won't do it. Simply put. Yep. Simply put. That's it. Simply put. And and even if there was a well, hey, I'll pay you beforehand. I might consider it, but you also have to know, you know your friends and your family more than anybody. Mm-hmm. So if you know for a fact that even though they pay you, it's kind of like, do you still want to deal with the inconvenience of what if they don't? Um, not only that, I take pride in everything that I do. So it's kind of like, do I really want to deal with somebody who is, this is not per se her, but this is just like in the in the general sense. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to deal with somebody who really is lackluster with emotions as far as what they're paying for? Mm. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of trainers that have said, you know what, since they paid me, it's your body. If you don't want to go ahead and do it, I don't care because you already paid me. I'm not that person. Mm. If I was to hop back into that, I feel I just, I don't know, I care too much, some people may say, but I care because at the end of the day, my face and my name is tied to something. And if you're just paying me just to sit there and look cute for the moment or for those two weeks that you need just for your birthday and you not planning on like really being passionate about it, I don't want to help you because I don't want a sometime ass person. Like, be consistent. But that's just my two cents. Everybody's not like me. Well, I mean, I think that comes from discipline. You know, I think that comes from... And discipline is not biased. You know, and it kind of shows that, you know, you can tell who knows discipline. You can tell who doesn't. And, you know, you were hard in areas, but you had good intentions. I think that's probably where the heart is. You had good intentions and you weren't coming up, you know, you weren't coming from a place of hate. You weren't coming from a place of of manipulation and teasing them. You know, they're already vulnerable as it is. Come on. And, you know, you're basically you're helping a person and there's nothing wrong with, you know, caring too much. I'll say this. I'll say that. Be more guarded as to how you care. Not so much of when you want to care for a person because you can't control when you know i would just say be more selective as to who you choose to care or put that amount of care in because a lot of people they'll brush it off like oh huh hmm, well she care more about this than i do whatever you know and they'll shrug it off and you know and i think that's what it boils down to well why are you doing what it is that you're doing if you don't know that from a person from the beginning, you're almost destined to fail because their intentions and everything like that are not stated on the forefront. Because if it was, you can always go back in your notes and would be like, well, hey, well, you told me that you were doing this because of ABC. What changed? By you coming at that angle puts you in a position of power and it puts you in a position of authority and they can't help but respect it because you're basically reaffirming them that, hey, I'm telling you what you told me. 
you know, this is not me saying this. This is me just reminding you, you told me something and I'm reminding you that you told me it. So it's a good thing that you did get a takeaway from that. But again, it's not so much about highlighting the ugly. I want to put some shine on the pretty. I want to look at the fact of the things that you're into now, your now venture. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that. Um, I am about positivity, but I'm I'm not about that sweeping under the rug. We've already we've right. acknowledged it. We reflected on it. You came to your peace. You said your peace. You you know you have a new headspace. You're healthy. You're good now, and that's all that matters. We don't need to hear anything else on that note. Okay. So enlighten me and the people. What is it mm-hmm. that you're doing today? What I am doing today is I have started an athleisure apparel line, which is by the name of Drop It Fit. A lot of people are like, what the hell is that? And how did you come up with that name? Well, like I said before, I did go to school to be a web designer. And um, my Instagram handle for my personal page is I am different, which was D-I-F. Um, and I just kept that as Drop It Fit because that was one of the projects that I worked on when I was in web design school. And it was to one day own a gym. <laughs> so everything has always been around fitness. But <laughs> it was and it always just stuck with me. And I just like... What the hell am I going to do with that name? So it was literally over, I want to say, two Thanksgivings ago mm-hmm. when my boyfriend uh, that I have right now, who's also the father of my son, he was like, why don't you start your own apparel line? I was like, eh, I don't know nothing about no fashion. I don't know like, about nothing. I don't know. And it's funny because he kept asking me, like, Nisha, like, what are you going to do with this fitness stuff? I was like, I don't know. And he was like, well, if you could sell one thing, what would it be? And I kept saying, I don't know. So mm-hmm. on that Thanksgiving day, he was like, just do it. So literally that day, we started putting our heads together. Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, putting our head together. And he showed me you know, where to get certain stuff, like some purveyors, of course, you know, overseas, um, as well as inland as well. And no, y'all, inland is not a country. Inland means USA. <laughs> for some people who might be lost on that but um inland and it just took off and then i got introduced to this group from this one chick i can call her by her name miss erica yates kelly i love her to death okay she does embroidery and i just i was reaching out to her because i was like okay, i gotta have something to start off with i don't have any you know like leggings or sports bras or anything so what the hell can I get? And what's easier than a hat, right? Like, okay. So she had embroidered hats and I started off with that first to just throw my name out there. And then so she hit me up and was like, well, you want to be a part of this group called Accountability Formation. It's a a private Facebook group for a lot of entrepreneurs and like-minded people. And I was like, what's this group about? And she was always talking about business, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, "Eh, I don't want to hear no old people telling me what to do. Like, no straight like that and then she was like okay well whenever you want to the door is open so mm-hmm. one day it was a meeting that they were having via zoom and she was like what are you doing 
and I was literally crying my ass off because I was just depressed, y'all. Being this whole pandemic, it God, it makes you think too much. So, um, being depressed, end up going, and then I just been hooked and latched on to these people, and they have shown and paved the way with a lot of entrepreneurial, you know, like business tips on how to do A, B, and C. And one of the questions was, okay, so you sell an apparel, like, what is your why? And I said, what do you mean? And it was like, why are you doing this? What is the reason that's driven behind this male passion you have? And I was like, right. it's my son. I want to leave a legacy for him because I never had that as a kid. I never had somebody, you know, saying they're going to make something where I can have a trust fund or a business to run later on down in life when I'm dead and gone. And I'm going to be honest, that why changed. Mm -hmm. It changed because it's really for me. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I spoke on it earlier that I am drop it fit and drop it fit is me. So when I say we and I, that's what I'm speaking of. Mm -hmm. So, um, it changed for me because I've always had, I can't say a problem or an issue, but I've always seek, I guess, counseling. I've always wanted to have counseling because I did feel at a point that I was just getting too depressed. You know, mm -hmm. being a new mom, being in the pandemic where you can't go nowhere, you're locked in the house all day, you're bored and you start to think and, you just get depressed about the stuff that you haven't accomplished yet at the age that you said you wanted certain things accomplished. Right. So long story short, I started to really dive deep into why I'm presenting clothes to, to women and hopefully men, but mainly women. And I was like, okay, I want to build their confidence level because when I look good, I feel good and I do great. Even if it's not for that whole day, it's for that moment. Even right. though we're all trying to have an everlasting effect, anytime you slip on something and you feel the material and you feel how good it feels on your skin, when you get those people looking at you and you turn the corner, when you, you know what I'm saying, do a squat and, you know, you got that dude saying, damn, you know what I'm saying, like doing stuff like that, those moments, those brief moments of, as mm -hmm. I call it, morphine, of a feeling, you know, mm -hmm. you you get those 10 times more than what you would give yourself. Right. So I was like, okay, that's one step as to why I'm doing this. And then I did start therapy and counseling to really dive deep into why I'm so depressed all the damn time. And um, I researched, I'm a Google junkie, I <laughs> researched it. And it was like that therapists, psychologists, if I think it's the right one, psychologist or a psychiatrist, one of the two, they use color theory mm. a lot when it comes to triggering certain emotions. Right. A lot of people do it. And I was like, duh, dang, that's my niche right there. Like, that's, that's my thing. I have never seen another apparel company that introduces color theory with the way the materials feel on a person. Never have I seen that. And it was because of that Zoom call when they asked me what is my why, really dive deep into it why, that I finally get it. So, mm. Drop It Fit is an athleisure apparel company that I'm so freaking proud of that introduces color theory because we believe that once you put on something and it has a certain color to it, you embody, mm -hmm. literally embody. 
that color and that emotion. And when people buy from me and from this company, I put little um, color cards. Mm-hmm. And it tells you this is what red means. This is what blue means. This is what black means. And from every single color that I have, I pick the emotion, mm-hmm. and that's what is named after it. And that's how this passion is growing, and it's, it's been therapeutic for me to share my story with people and to finally see people coming out saying, hey, I went through the same thing you went through. Oh, you thought you had postpartum, but you're really bipolar, which is really the case. Mm-hmm. Me too. And it's just weird like how it's all blooming, and that's when you say that, you know, I've, I guess I haven't really hit success yet, but once you see that, you know, I've achieved certain things, I'm I'm still going. And it's, it's still developing. I'm still in my same pot, but I'm getting ready to be repotted, <laughs> hopefully, later down the line. Well, that's, that's interesting, and I want to point out a couple of bullet points that you mentioned, but I want to, I usually like to work my way backwards. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. For you, what is your definition of success with this business? Reaching as many people, gender neutral, mm-hmm. as many people as I can to letting them know that it's okay to tell people that you need counseling. It's okay to be an example of what mental health um can look like because people think that when you're mentally ill you're supposed to be in a damn straight jacket and a muzzle or something like that no you are an everyday person like myself that struggles with keeping it all together and i just want to let people know that like mm-hmm. it may not look like it i may look like i am a-okay on social media that's a front okay that's what social media is for it's, it's for <laughs> the front like let's be real um right but deep down, like you, you got somebody who's in, who's in your shoes, or who knows, who sympathizes and empathizes with what you're doing. Okay, I think that you know that that's a very brave, um, a very brave stance. I think a lot of people tend to hide behind a lot of that, and they don't want to admit that. So I definitely want to commend mm-hmm. you on that. I think that you know. You know, since we're in this world of instant gratification and um, a lot of people rather hide what they're going through and have a feeling of, well, you know what? I don't want to dive into my pain because it's just it's so much. I think. You know. I think the point where you. Realize that you had a problem with something. And you caught mm-hmm. it and you decided to want to do something with it instead of just wallowing in it. And I think that a lot of people find themselves tangled in that web and they're not knowing exactly what to go, what to do. And I think it's rare to be able to catch yourself and be conscious of your situation and be conscious enough to want to get out of that situation. Right. You know, it's usually people, you know, they wait till it's too late or they medicate or they they drink it down. They never really sit there. You know what? I'm always thinking. I'm always sitting here. I'm I'm trapped in my thoughts. You know, and 
you know, I would say in relation to me, and this might sound bad, but I've always caught myself, you know, feeling like I've been cursed with knowledge. And the reason why I say that is it's an elaborate, um, it's an elaborate theory of mine that I've been looking at that is, is more of a, I'm always thinking, I'm always caught in this mind of, I'm always thinking to think, to think, to think. And I'm thinking so much that I, it's almost impossible or it's, it's begrudging to latch onto a thought and do something with it like you've done. And I think that that takes a lot of strength to take something and actually focus on it, get help with it, and then move on to the next thing. You know? Um, yeah, but sometimes you got to have that little push. You really do. And yeah. people don't, don't know that. Like, yeah, people look at me and I'm like, oh, you're strong. You don't get you know, scared of anything, and I'm like, no, I'm a regular person like you are. I do have fears. I do get scared. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm afraid of even telling people that you know I got diagnosed being bipolar because my family don't even know this. They don't know any of this, to be honest, about my reasoning why you know wow. I'm educating people about color. They don't know, and it's just something that happens. And I mean, I hate to say it in Especially, I can't speak on the other culture, but the black household, we're told to just keep behind closed doors, not let everybody know your business. But I'm slowly but surely learning that once you peel back the layers of a person, you really start to understand and stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe they won't hear this one day, maybe they won't. But I can tell you right now to this day, I will never be open about it to my family. Never. I think... I mean, it's it's a conditioning, just to highlight. It, it is a conditioning. You know, we're taught to just take it on the chin, keep it pushing, mm-hmm. move on to the next. Um, I myself have not been diagnosed with anything to date. However, there are, you know, some pending theories of a couple of things. However, I have enough healthy vices that put them in check that... That puts me in a situation of, you know what, let me not sit too idle because I don't want to sit here and and exploit whatever this thing is. You know, I think another thing that you said working back was, you know, you took it within your hands to seek out help. And, yeah. you know, when they say, like, you know, closed mouths don't get fed, but it's also a case of you don't get help unless you seek help and authentic help and the fact that it's the kind of help that you got you know you didn't go talk to a friend talk to a relative you talked to an unbiased person who knows nothing about you they're able to give you a perspective that you never would have thought of before and then they opened your eyes to an avenue that basically filled in a couple of puzzle gaps that helped you in your business. And now you've transformed it into the mission of what it is that you're pursuing with your business. I use color theory a lot. You know, I believe in, you know, you know, the power of color, the power of vibes, chakras, a lot of those types of things. I know that there's a lot 
to go into it. And subconsciously, a lot of people gravitate to that. They're just not conscious enough to know that, okay, well, there's a reason why something is your favorite color, but there's also a reason why you're feeling this way. Yeah. If you put this, if you, <laughs> you mix this and you mix this, boom, there's a reason why you're probably off this way, you know, and believe it or not, again, it wasn't until I got educated with color that I realized the reason why mm-hmm. I've always been an aggressive individual is because my favorite color is red. I Boom. Was just gonna say that. Boom. That that's what it was. I've been an aggressive child from the get. I've been hard headed and I've personified the color in a lot of ways. And I've used it in my design. You know, as I've matured, I've been embracing other other colors because I've come to understand more colors and things of that nature. But there's a lot of power in in color. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that can really be therapeutic and I know that in the black community, a lot of people are ashamed because we do not want to be ostracized as being quote unquote crazy. We don't want to be yeah. labeled as crazy. It's not that we don't want help. We just don't want to be called crazy. And right. I think for a lot of people who are artists and who are not artists, the things that bring the, the main statement that brings it back is this. Everybody who's ever achieved something great on this planet, who is long and gone, who are written in the history books, have had some form of defect, some disability, some blemish, some kind of condition. But it it was like a superpower. And it made them special enough to do things that everybody else can't do. And you look at it like this. I don't know how much you know about superheroes, but I'm about to hit you with something. Okay. (laughs) So there was at some points where you have an individual who would get cursed, blessed, endowed, whatever you want to call it. They would get something and they would go through that phase of feeling awkward, feeling like they're being punished, feeling like they're just the gum on the bottom of the shoe because they just got hit with this massive burden of power. They don't know what to do with it until they discover that there is a calling for that particular power. They go through the motions of learning how to control that power, learning how to keep it at bay or to embrace it or however way they need to. And they discover that, you know what? I have a purpose and I'm going to use my condition or my situation to create something positive out of it. Okay. I'm going to use it to. Exactly. Exactly. He was one of the main ones that I was thinking about. And, you know, they all go through a situation of, you know what? I'm done. I don't want this no more. Take it away from me. I don't want this. But when you realize and you you grow to appreciate it, you realize and you almost question yourself, would I be this awesome if I didn't have this? You know, if I just decided to go on with my life and not question, well, why am I like this? Why am I always questioning? Why am I always flip floppy? Why do I switch up? 
You know, why can I sit still? Why can I, you know, if you just went on with the flow like everybody else does and just not question anything, would you be this awesome today? So I think that I'm always asking myself that because, heck, I'm sure I got a couple of things on my radar, but I don't know what they are. They haven't been confirmed yet. Maybe one day, but I do know. I got a couple of superpowers. I can tell you that much. And right. And you as well. And I would say that, you know, that you are definitely brave for that. And as well as I, for one, have a lot of respect for you. And I definitely don't um, pity. I definitely don't look at it as anything less than because, hey, great people got problems. I'll put it that way. I told you, if you're waking up saying you feel like a million bucks. Every single day, something wrong with you. Not really, because nobody is 100% feeling good all day, every day. Something's wrong. Well, you look at it. That's just me, personally. You look at it like this, though. You know, all the greatest had something wrong with them, but they went down in history where we can still talk about them. You know, we remember them. There's no definition of what perfect is. No real definition. You know, the things that we put value, such as diamonds, have blemishes, have flaws. They come from ugly beginnings. And even though they go through a process of pressure and time and heat, they still got issues. But we put value on those things and we we put those on the pedestal. So as you know, People will put you on a pedestal because you you basically personify confidence. You personify she got it together. I want to be like her because she seems like nothing phases her. Nothing bothers her. She seems as that person that I can tell her whatever I got going on. And she seems like she's not going through nothing. You know, and that is true. And I get that a lot. And I'm like, I thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm just holding it together. <laughs> For today. Oh yeah, but you know there are some people who fake it and be like, you know, they'll, 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 you know, they'll put on that that symbol on their chest and they'll they'll play the role for a little bit. But sometimes people need that realism. People are like, hey, listen, listen, hey, I'm, hey, I bleed just like you bleed. I just realized that you know what? I just decided to want to hold it together a little bit longer than the next guy. You know, just a little bit longer, but. I'm not too far off from breaking just like the next person. So, you know, it, it's all about control. It's all about acknowledgement. I think that you definitely, you know, you tacked on to that and you realize that. Crazy story. Crazy story. And I think that I think that definitely summarizes the entirety of overall. I think the, the lesson in this is, you know, finding your passion, even when it is the cost of you had to lose friends or you had to let something go to gain something. Yeah, I think so. So I want to do my diligence, my due diligence and do my proper shout outs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is the <laughs> drop it fit brand by Nisha. Mm-hmm. Uh, her website is dropitfitapparel.com. You can find her on Instagram at, uh, what is it, dropit underscore fit. And yep. Facebook is dropitfit, all one word. And All one word. 
Let's see. And uh, is there anything else you want to leave the good people? Stay true to who you are and don't change for anybody unless that person that you are changing for is looking directly at you in the mirror. Wise words. Wise words. <laughs> and I ain't talking about having your boyfriend behind you while you're in the mirror or your girlfriend or lack thereof. I'm talking about you. You change for you. You do for you. And you continue to move for yourself. Because if you can't help yourself, you can't help anybody else. Point blank, period. You better tell it. You better tell it. A lot of people don't believe until it happens. <laughs> a lot of people don't. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I'm definitely motivated. I definitely got a, a couple of gems from your story. And I definitely hope to see you in the very near future, you know, grow and double from this and grow from this lesson. Thank you. It's already happening because you just decided to put me on your podcast. So this is a stepping stone. And I greatly appreciate you for taking this opportunity and, and taking a chance on me and, and, and really just, just wanting to listen, you know, cause I, I wanted, I wanted to listen as well. And I wanted to put that out there and, you know, it was one point that I thought that I was the only one, the only one that was going through something. Um, Nope, you are not, <laughs> sir. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. This is Burn Bridges brought to you by the Creative Catalyst Podcast. You all have a good night.